This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. America's fastest-growing TV brand, TCL, brings you Mackie and Judd. 33. He's taken down for a sack. Frank Clark with the first sack of the night for the Seahawks. How do you go about fixing the offense? That's a good question. Um, Keep at it. Keep trying to find things that we're good at. you know, we had, didn't score very many points tonight. Didn't score very many points last week. So, um, you know, part of it is being better on third downs. Uh, we haven't really done a good job there. Better Part of it's being better in the red zone. You know, we had the ball on the two-yard line, didn't score. So, uh, you know, you keep doing things like that, you're not going to score many points. Football. All right, now we've emerged into the official football hour here, and this is an emergency Sage Rosenfels phone call into the Mackey and Judd show, and that escalated quickly. John Filippo out as offensive coordinator. Sage, your thoughts on everything from last night into that decision this morning, and the floor is yours. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you go back to the beginning of the season, uh, really starting with the offseason after the Vikings lost to the Eagles in the championship game, and uh, you look at everything they did, coaching-wise, player-wise. You know, watch the difference between this team and last year's team, which was 13 and three, was a lot of dominating performances. You know, I, I believe 10 games where they're up at one point by 16 points uh, in those victories last year. Uh, to this year, where they're you know very much struggling, on the verge of not making the playoffs. What is the difference? And you go back and go, well, they went out and got Kirk Cousins. That's one thing, and the other thing they did was go out and get a new offensive coordinator because the one that they had got hired as the head coach of the New York Giants. And so this year to me was sort of an experiment of, you know, of really those two things and how that was going to work out. You know, most of the skill position players are basically the same. They lost Derek McKinnon, but they also have a healthy Dalvin Cook. So, you know, I would say that's an advantage this year's uh, Vikings. Uh, you know, the offensive line, they were you know obviously better last year than this year, but a lot of those same pieces as the year before. So, uh, you know, what is the difference It's quarterback and, and coordinator? And you can't really fire a $28 million quarterback with a three-year guaranteed contract, but you can fire an offensive coordinator. So, you know, that's what they decided to do. And it is interesting, as you see Pat Shermer, you know, now late in that season with the New York Giants, you know, Eli Manning probably playing some of the best football of his career. He has the highest quarterback rate of his career. They're playing a really good ball right now. Just destroyed the Washington uh, Redskins. You say, you know, maybe Pat Shermer was a dang good football coach, and maybe this guy isn't, uh, John Filippo. So he goes, and, you know, what comes in now is Kevin Stefanski, a guy that was up for that job, a guy that I've known for a long time. You know, he came in 
with Brad Childers. He's a former Penn football player, a strong safety, or a, a corner, I believe, a secondary player. Uh, and, you know, he worked, talk about a guy who has worked his way up from the bottom. And, and, and the bottom, I mean, being Brad Childers' right hand man. I mean, that's, that's a, a tough first job. You basically are, are you're doing whatever he asks you to do. Uh, you know, you might have to arrange a flight. You're setting the schedule. You're doing this. You're going to get a cup of coffee. You got to do this for him because something's going on. You're sort of like his secretary, uh, uh, anywhere else, but actually in the office. And so not an easy job. Works his way through that. Uh, into being a uh, an offensive quality control, you know, working with he's sort of the the quarterback coach's assistant, working with the quarterbacks, and he gets running backs job, tight ends job, uh, back to quarterbacks, and was was one of the guys who had maybe I think in, I believe an interview for the coordinator job last year, and they went with John D. Filippo, who you know that offense had so much success in Philadelphia. So here we are, uh, the Vikings on the verge of not making the playoffs. They still have a chance. Uh, they do have a. Uh, you know, I would believe a schedule that they can win all three games. In particular, the Bears may not be going full force in Week 17, so that helps. Uh, this is a three-game uh, job interview in, in a lot of ways for Kevin Stefanski, whether he stays the quarterback's coach next year uh, or, or he's hired on as full-time as the coordinator. Something had to change. That was the easiest thing to change. My guess is it's not a, you know, Mike Zimmer woke up this morning and all of a sudden wanted to make this change. My guess is this is a two, three, four-week thing in the making. And, uh, you know, statistically, this offense was doing a lot of good things, throwing the ball over the place. Adam Thielen was setting records. But is that the style of football that wins football games for this team? Yes, that's the style of football that wins games in Kansas City uh, and, and maybe some other places. But this team, defense, run the ball, protect the ball, don't turn it over, good special teams. Uh, you know, all, all those things, that's how you win games with, with Mike Zimmer. That's how the Seattle Seahawks are winning games right now. They're not relying on Russell Wilson. They're number one in the league and running the football with a bunch of offensive linemen. Other than Dwayne Brown, nobody really knows who they are. Uh, and, you know, that is the difference between a certain type of coaching and another type of coaching. And, and, and right now, that, that philosophy that John D. Flippel had of it seemed like trying to throw the ball more than run it uh, was a losing formula for the Vikings team. So that, is it in a nutshell, in my opinion. So, Sage, who is at fault here, and what what went wrong? I mean, is is this uh, Flip and Cousins and Mike? Because it, it it is odd that we've been talking now for, I think, about a month about what they should be doing, and, and the Green Bay game, the formula seemed to be the correct one. So if there is um, fault to be assessed here, how would you do so? Well, at the end of the day, you know, this team has to find a way to run the football. And an offensive coordinator's job is to really maximize what you have as far as your talent. That, that includes offensive line, obviously quarterback, the receivers. This offense has talent, and they weren't maximized that talent. And when I say maximize, it's not yards, it's points. All that really matters is points. And even games where it seemed like they had a really strong lead, you know, the Green Bay game, they still only won by seven points, uh, I believe, in that football game. They're not scoring a lot of points for all these yards that they're putting up. So, you know, offenses are, are graded by how many, really, how many points you score, and they weren't scoring enough points, and they were, you know, terrible on third down recently. They were 2 of 10 on third down last night, and 0 of 2 on fourth down. So you could really say 2 of 12 in that game. You know, there was a series of a third and two, third and third and three, they, they threw the football incomplete, third and two, they threw the football incomplete, third and one, they sneak for four yards, third and one, they throw the football incomplete. Uh, and for a team that is, is supposed to be designed 
who run the football and play good defense, that is a, not a formula for a success, uh, in particular with a quarterback who's not a playmaker. And we saw that last night. The pocket breaks down on Kirk Cousins. It's fumble, uh, fumble for a touchdown going the other way. Pocket broke down for Russell Wilson. He creates something, Stanford's for 40 or so yards. So that's the type of quarterback we have in Minnesota. He's not a scrambler. Bad things happen when the pocket breaks down. So you try to minimize those opportunities. And uh, it didn't seem like John Filippo really cared about minimizing uh, really that offense's weaknesses, which is you know the pocket breaking down on Kirk Cousins. Yeah, Sage Rosenfels is with us here, and just to kind of piggyback off what you're saying, it it's never one person or one you know it's never the fault of one thing or one person at least usually. And I do hope that John D. Filippo getting fired doesn't completely scapegoat or exonerate Kirk Cousins because there's some things, you know, you do have permission as a quarterback to rise above some adversity, to rise above an imperfect offensive line, and maybe the play calling isn't perfect, and, you know, to have 25 yards in the first half, and to be for his career, he's 0-7 in Monday night games. That goes back to Washington and with Minnesota. So, like, he has permission to do something to elevate others around him, and it feels like that hasn't been happening so far in year one of, of this experiment. And maybe that's maybe well, it's too much to expect that. I don't know. I, I think it is, to be honest with you. You know, I think the thing with Kirk Cousins is, and you got to leave out what is he paid. Who cares what he's paid? All right, he's paid based off of basically the, econ- the economics of football, supply and demand. Sure. There is not free agents out there. There never are. He put up a lot of yards in the past. He played a lot of football games. You know, played pretty well in a lot of games, and so he's going to get a lot of money. That's the sort of the risk you take of becoming a free agent as a quarterback, and, and he took on that risk and he cashed in. So he sort of take that off the table. But at the end of the day, he is a he is a, a part of a well-oiled machine. He's not the well-oiled machine himself. Aaron Rodgers does that himself. Tom Brady, in a lot of ways, he is. Uh, sort of the, the middle of, of everything that goes on in New England. Kirk Cousins, he's the guy that pulls the trigger and disperses the football on time uh, to other people. He's not a guy that's going to create, make plays, uh, and, and blow your mind with, with, with the things that you know Patrick Mahomes is doing to Kansas City. So you cannot expect him to do more than he actually is. He's an act, accurate passer. He can throw on time and on rhythm. Uh, he's probably good with play action and, and throw the ball down the field. He's not a guy that's going to make plays. And as soon as he asks somebody to do something that they're just literally not capable of consistently doing at a high level, you're asking for problems. So if you got this job today instead of Kevin Sage, what would be the first, and three games are left, so it's not much time, what would be the first one or two things that you would do to either simplify or things that you are seeing that make sense that they're not doing right now? Who's the Vikings fullback? Can you guys tell me who that is? C.J. Ham. C.J. Ham. C.J. Yeah. Ham. Minnesota Duluth. Yes, C.J. Ham. C.J. Ham better strap it up. All right, we're going to run the football. <laughs> Fahu Tai, you're, go you're going Tai. Yeah. We're go play action. Yeah. <laughs> you're going Fahu Tai. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I, I, th- I think I think it's a. I think you just say we're going to listen. The Seattle Seahawks. I think Russell Wilson threw for sixty yards last night, but again, they're leading the league in rushing. They're just going to grind it out and occasionally take their shot. Cousins is a good quarterback when you run bootlegs and get him out of the pocket. Mm-hmm. He is a good quarterback when you do straight, good, solid, real play action where there's a real threat of a run there. I would try to design things to take advantage of, uh, of different secondary things. Even runs that are zero and one yard, that's okay. 
We're not in second and 17. Do you know how many times we've been in shotgun on first down and we have second and 17 on second down? The Vikings have no chance in those situations. So I would try to, you know, four yards in the cloud of dust and methodically execute, work your way down the field, go for all high execution type throws, possess the football, and, and occasionally take a shot down the field with the play action. I, I, I just think that's the, that would be the style of winning football games with Kirk Cousins. I wouldn't have him holding the ball in the pocket. I wouldn't have him, wouldn't have him do you know 20-yard dagger in routes with shallow crossing routes, and he's waiting guys to get through the zone to hook up. I wouldn't be doing that. Get the ball out of his pocket or out of his hand. That's, you know, it, it's a hot potato. Get it out of his hand. Get in those playmakers' hands. Let them do something with it. We had two amazing quarterback panic moments last night. The, the first one, when, when Cousins... He missed Adam Thielen coming wide open to his left, and the pocket was collapsing. So he turns around and just sort of dumps it backwards to to Latavius Murray, who gets tackled. But then the Russell Wilson play at the end of the first half, that's one of the greatest quarterbacks of this era. And he threw what should have been a pick six, just complete deer in the headlights. Uh, what Do you remember the most panicked you've ever been on a play on a football field? Was it anything like what Russell Wilson did to end the first half last night? That's a good question. Like, did I have any freak-out moments where your mind just completely goes <laughs> blank? And, you, you know, I don't that's – a, that's a good question. I don't know. You know, uh, uh, those, those were, you know, sort of boneheaded plays or, or just really odd plays where it's almost like there's so much going on in their minds. I tell you, I will say this. When you're playing against defenses that are really good, and both those defenses are good defenses, and they got D linemen, they got pass rushers, and they got linebackers who can blitz, and there's some confusion going on, and – and uh, though sometimes your mind literally just freezes, you know, it's sort of, it's, you're, you're so trying to figure everything out and you have all these concerns. You know, we don't have a chip on the left tackle. I got to be concerned over there while they're doing the double A gap blitz. Well, how are we picking this thing up? Which guy's coming and which guy isn't? You, you got all this going on in your mind and sometimes your mind literally just freezes on you and goes blank. Uh, and you do something stupid. Looks like that's what sort of happened last night. Yeah. Hey, Sage, thanks for the emergency session. It's therapeutic for all of us. Talk so to thanks. you on Friday, Sage. Sounds good. Hopefully better days ahead. Let's let's hope yeah. let's, I'm really looking forward to Kevin Stefanski and see what he can do. Uh, you know, it's a long time coming for them. I said he sort of worked his you know, way up the old fashioned way, wasn't given anything. And uh, and, I, and I'm rooting for him. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how he does. It'll be yeah, it'll be interesting. We'll uh, we'll talk more, Sage. See ya. All right, guys. Sage Rosenfeld. You can also find him couple times a week on the Purple Podcast with Matthew Collar, and he's been foreshadowing this the whole season. Oh, he's like been frustrated he's, he's the been entire year. all over it, yep. and, and I don't think anyone's provided better insight from that perspective than him. So we'll come back, more football hour, and actually some gopher football news to get to. But first, live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Come on, there's so much to do. On 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check your traffic here. 35W southbound. We got a crash in Burnsville uh, near the Minnesota River and Black Dog Road. Uh, Black Dog Road, I should say. And uh, that crash is causing about a six-minute delay. Also, uh, 94 eastbound. Still have that crash in Minneapolis on uh, near 394, causing about a five-minute delay there as well. Gentlemen. Thanks, Manny. Let's do a little breaking news here for for just a brief moment before we get into some of the Mike Zimmer conference call sound bites. Oh, it must be good news. Let's go for football news, so I'll let you guess. Well, they're going to a bowl game. It's very exciting. Detroit, it's got to be... Oh, you know what? I bet I bet they got a bunch of guys who were awarded some type of, because of the great comeback against Wisconsin, Players of the Month. Tell me about it. You got the first part of that one right. 
They got a bunch of guys. You were right about that part. Bunch of guys. They got a bunch of guys disciplined and not allowed to practice this month in preparation what? for the Quick Lane Bowl what? for violating team rules. Multiple sources told the Star Tribune players face suspension and could miss the December 26th bowl game against Georgia Tech in Detroit. Head coach P.J. Fleck and athletic director Mark Coyle did not return messages seeking comment on Tuesday. The alleged team rule violations reported from the sources do not involve assault or violence. It's sad that they have to point that out, by the way. Mm. I mean, it's like, I guess, it's like you know what, I guess it, it didn't it's beat a step up. in the right direction. There were no people beat up. Um, sources cited reasons for the disciplinary action and the names of some players involved, but since those details have not been confirmed, the Star Tribune is not publishing that information. Okay, good on them. The number of players disciplined is said to be between six and eight, several sources said. The Gophers qualified for the Quick Lane Bowl by reaching six wins and yada, yada, yada. So I think, well, for, we don't know anything, but I think the question here is, is this something? is this something criminal or is it just something that went against PJ Flex team policies and he's sending six bad apples to you know to the airport. I guess I, my I question know. is can we go through a year just once where this doesn't happen at all ever? That's my thing. I, I, I just I don't know obviously we don't know who the players are or even what they did or whatever. I just I'm tired of College athletes not using their heads for well, whatever reason. But let I me just, let me paint a picture for you guys though because and I don't we don't so we don't know anything. Right, right. If it's something criminal or something where they're investigating and we have an EEOA, you know, committee and whatever, like that's the type of stuff that I am so sick of and just mm-hmm. clean it up and be done with it. If this is PJ Flex setting a super high standard for practice behavior or behind the scenes classroom behavior, yeah. You know, what if it's grade related or whatever it sure. is? If it's PJ Flex setting a super high standard and a super high bar, and six to eight players failed to meet that bar, but it has nothing to do with criminal activity, I actually like this mm-hmm. because now now he's setting a bar that other coaches might not set because they want to have their best players available, and we don't even know if it's their best players that were suspended either. Viol- sure. Violating team rules, though, so I got to think that they did something. That, that might not be illegal, but was... I mean, did they forget to wear polo shirts and sit in the first row at class? Because that's the type of thing that he would suspend a player for. Honest to God. If, yeah. you, if you didn't wear a polo shirt not in class and sat wouldn't. in the 10th row and he found out about it, is it possible that you wouldn't play in the quick lane bowl? And I would say the answer is yes. Zim wouldn't so. do that. Uh-uh. Maybe wear he whatever you want. Maybe he should. Wear sweatpants and a hoodie, and I don't care, as long as you play well. When's the last time Zim had an axe in his trophy case? I did so, that's open for so much interpretation and... Unnecessary comments. Uh, by the way, the axe, by the way, at the end of that story, we have our second golfer who has left the team as to not play in the ball game to begin preparations for the National Football League. Blake Cashman, yeah. the senior linebacker, now joins. Is it uh, Donnell Wolford? Is, is that correct? The left tackle. I'm not sure. Anyway, I probably got the name wrong. The left tackle. Uh, last week announced that he was going to begin preparations for the draft and thus would not be playing in the Quick Lane Bowl, which, by the way, I completely agree with. Yeah, and now, I, I don't, ha- it's, I don't it's hate the this. Quick Lane Bowl. And now I mean, Blake Cashman has said the same thing, which is, hey, it's been great, but I'm out of here. Yeah, I mean, if it was a better vacation destination between Christmas and New Year's, I gotta, too, I might consider it. I'm totally with you on this. If it was if it was a warm weather location, I would risk tearing my ACL a little bit more frequently. <laughs> but in this case, it, what's the upside? What is the upside? I think if I, you think you're going to get drafted, what's the upside? I think I would go and say, I, I just can't play, Coach. 
Like uh, the night before, I'd say I pulled something. Sorry. Can't so you go. get all the swag and you get to take a nice winter trip to Detroit. Yeah, no, on this one, I'm with you. Could I'm it, not going to this one. Could it just be that you forget about the NFL draft? Are there players that have no chance of being drafted that just don't want to go to Detroit on December 26th? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Can you blame them? Coach. Say, do you blame them? Jesus. <laughs> uh, Danelle Green. Okay. Danelle Green, the left tackle. Yeah, Coach, I, I, I'm coming down with something. Uh, the game is... Two weeks from now, yeah, I'm just I'm not I'm I'm not going to kick it. <laughs> the day I think about that, you got to go play. And why is that game? I completely don't get this. Of all the godforsaken places to have to go play a bowl game, Detroit. Why is it Take in Detroit? Take him to Detroit. No, no, not Detroit. No, no, please. <laughs> gotta love the Kentucky Fried movie, man. I was in Detroit for the first time two weekends ago. Didn't hate it. Didn't hate it. It was so fine. The light rail system is actually very nice. Um, oh, well, that's like the compliment. The that light you pull. rail system, and if they you like, really ga- nice and if you public, like gambling, transportation is very nice. If you like gambling, you can gamble. Well, you is can this gamble that segment where state. we have Judd be positive, say five positive things about terrible, Detroit? It's a terrible town. I mean, there's not. I'm not going to. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's an awful town. <laughs> uh, we have clips from Mike Zimmer's conference call that we should get to when we come back here. Mike Zimmer answering questions about the decision this morning to fire John D. Filippo. I hope it was Vince McMahon style. I hope he brought John D. Filippo into an office, made him a join the Kiss My Ass Club, and then said, "You're fired." That's how it went down in my head. Anyways, those third and one rollout passes where Kirk Cousins is running for his life and throwing a pass out of bounds by twenty yards. A quarterback sneak would have worked well there too. But we'll get to uh, Mike Zimmer sound bites when we come back. Luther Brookdale Toyota, I was over there today on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, the best dealership and service department in the Twin Cities. So uh, it's, it was actually the first time I had a chance to feast my eyes up close on a 2018 Camry. I know, I I can't believe I didn't get out there uh, for that specific vehicle at any point in the last uh, six months or so. But it's amazing. I mean, there's so many great vehicles out there right now, 2018s and 19s, but the 18 Camry, the Camry has gone from your family friendly, you know, just your family vehicle. And I and I've driven Camrys and Corollas since I was 16 years old. And now it's got kind of a sporty edge to it. You know, it's one of those cars that you can uh, you can kind of show off on the roadways. All kinds of bells and whistles and upgraded technology on the interior. So if you haven't seen the brand new 2018 Camry, Go in for a test drive, 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard, open until 9 o'clock tonight. And the website is LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Please, continue. On 1500 ESPN. With the first sack of the night for the Seahawks. I feel like, you know, I hired him. It was it, it's my job to try to help him to continue to get better. Uh, I obviously didn't do a good enough job there. Uh, you know, I've always felt like if you hire a guy, you should, you should stick with him uh, and, and try to help him and, and help him mature as a, as a coach. And, um, you know, this this one, um, you know, unfortunately, with the timing and the and the, the situation with uh, 
you know, the last three ball games here with us still having an opportunity to do something, I, I just felt like I don't want the season to, to be wasted. Okay, <laughs> that conference call is priceless because it sounds like Zim is talking while r- rummaging through his garage. Well, okay, have any? Well, but it's not. I it's don't think he's him. making noise. It's not him. No. Have have your? It's people not uh, muting uh, their have, phones. Yeah, have your football writer brethren never been on a conference call? Mute your phones, people. We want to hear Mike Zimmer justify what's happening. We're not the most organized group of, of uh, people <laughs> out there. You might have figured that out by now. Yeah. 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 I got. I had to fire him, but hold on a second. Where's the lawnmower? <laughs> So that's no shovel. Let's just rifle through some clips here. Mike Zimmer on a conference call today with local media, kind of an emergency conference call. Well, he was supposed to have a press conference anyways, but travel and Monday Night Football. But he'll he'll have a press conference tomorrow in person. But uh, we'll just play a couple clips here. Mike Zimmer talking about the firing of John D. Filippo. I don't think two years ago has anything to do with this year. I think uh, you know Kevin is, Kevin has been here and. Uh, you know, you know. So he's been through all this. He knows the he knows the ins and outs of everything that's going on there. So I don't think two years ago has anything to do with this year. And that wasn't my decision two years ago. Referring to Norv Turner, as I said to the TV people the other day, with with my involvement so much in the defense, uh, my communication is a lot during the weeks and some on some on game day with with the offense. The and and really during the course of the game. Um, you know, if things are going smoothly, then it's no issue. But a lot of times when, uh, you know, I'm trying to make corrections and think about calls for the next series on defense and things like that, um, I need to do a better job of uh, delegating a little bit more on the defense. That's the point. You're the head coach. Yeah, you know what? If everything's going smooth at anyone's job, it's great, right? If everything's going swimmingly at your job, you know what? You got no problems. You go home. Crack open a beer, pour a glass of wine, it was a great day. But guess what? You have to be prepared in every walk of life for what I like to call adversity. So you're the head coach. Like, you don't have the option, in my opinion, you don't have the option of being like, well, but I really can't be involved because I'm coaching defense. You hire, if you don't trust your defensive coordinator to take over at a moment's notice your job because your offense is not playing well, then I think you have to get a new defensive coordinator. And by yeah, the way, so, sorry. And by the way, this is year five with right. George Edwards as the defensive coordinator. If you can't trust him to take the, to have more of a hands-on role with coordinating the defense in yeah. year five, yeah, he needs someone. And if it's not George Edwards, then it needs to be someone else. He needs someone that kind of thinks like he does, so that he doesn't. He obviously feels uncomfortable if it's year five delegating to his defensive coordinator and defensive mm-hmm. staff. So. If, if that's the case, I mean, find people that because I would think Mike Zimmer probably has a lot of value to offer to an offensive staff thinking like a defensive mastermind, right? I think you're exactly right. Yes. So I don't know. Yeah, I'll, I'll be a little bit more involved. Uh, you know, we've we've talked about that some. At the end of the day, it's pretty much a production business, and um, you know, it would, it's difficult. I mean, you know, it's been it's hard thinking about it, hard making the decision, hard trying to uh, you know. Because I I have a lot of respect for John. I think I think he's a very very brilliant mind. 
Um, but we weren't producing really was the end of it. I'm, I'm going to, we have a, we have a few more clips to play just one more here. Uh, and then we'll pause and get more thoughts and open up phone lines to six, five, one, six, four, six, eight, two, five, five. This was Zimmer asked about, correct me if I'm wrong on this, Jonathan, but he was asked about Kevin Stefanski and how this might be an audition for him. This is sort of a, a yeah. resume building month for him, right? Yep. That's correct. And this was his answer. Is it fair to say that Kevin's going to be auditioning here for the long-term job, or are you still going to want to do a search regardless? I don't know. We'll see how we'll see how things develop here. But uh, I mean, obviously, it would be in his best interest if you know to do good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't don't screw it up, kid. Yeah, that's, that's what he's basically again, saying. Again, it's all Mike, though. It's in his best interest to do. Yeah, he do should he should do good. Yep. Um. Here's uh here's more Mike Zimmer from the conference call today. This was my decision. It wasn't any, anybody else's as far as uh, players or other coaches or anything like that. I just felt like in the best interest of the team in these last three weeks, which are important weeks for us during the season, we had, we had to shake things up and try to get better as a football team together. Um, and, you know, I didn't feel like we were kind of going in that direction was based on the last four or five weeks. I mean, it really, and really honestly, it wasn't about one game. It, you know, it's about kind of the direction we were going throughout the latter part of the season. So do you guys think, and I know Collar is, uh, he's coming back from the airport and will likely be here for the Purple Live portion of the 6 o'clock hour. Courtney Cronin will join again. She's been on ESPN all afternoon. And I, I saw that Collar posed this question or this premise on Twitter the Ravens, was it Cam Cameron yes. that the Ravens fired the year that they won the Super Bowl? They mm-hmm. fired him like middle of the season, Correct. kind of the same thing. Uh, December uh, December 10th, 2012. And that, six, years, six years to yesterday. Right. And, and to clarify, I'm not talking about the, the team with defense and Trent Dilfer that fired an offensive coordinator. You might say, well, who cares about that offensive the coordinator? Flacco. No, that was like Joe Flacco yeah. went bonkers in the playoffs, and they beat that really good 49ers team. Correct. And, uh, and so I guess... Is there an apples-to-apples apples comparison here? Do the Vikings have the potential? With the way that defense played last night, if you just get a better chemistry between play caller and quarterback, is there a chance that this season isn't over? I know they don't, they don't have any more chances, really. They can beat the Bears at home, but they don't really have any more big-time chances to, to make you feel great going into the postseason. Um, I don't think so. But I will say this. If they can, if they can get the offense right... I wouldn't completely bet against them because, and and I do think that ultimately Mike made the right move here because if you had sat and on this and said, okay, come January, we'll probably fire flip, but we'll wait, wait and see after last night, the, the past two games to me, it just wasn't working. And I don't really appreciate or agree with how Zimmer handled things here. But I also think for the sake of of what the expectations are for this team, and and Super Bowl or bust is too much, but I don't believe for one second in 2018 that playoffs or bust is too much. If you if you sit there... What do you mean by bust? If they miss the if playoffs... They miss playoffs if, if they miss the playoffs, I don't think people get fired, but I'm not positive. If you go... If you, if you go Miami loss... Let's say Detroit win, Chicago loss, and somebody, and I don't know who uh, from the crappy teams that are behind you now comes up and gets you, Mm -hmm. and you're sitting there in early January with no playoff berth, 
given the expectations here and what you paid that quarterback and the expectations that this offense would actually take a step, I can't guarantee people don't get fired. So I do think that this is the, the correct move. Uh, I don't know it's going to work to perfection. I do think it's worth a shot. The only scenario in which I would ever consider firing Mike Zimmer right now or in the next month is if they get smoked in their next three games and they just look like they've quit completely. And I don't yeah. foresee that happening. I think I think they're still playing for... And, and it kind of feels like this might spark the offense a little bit, even if it's just a wake-up call to everybody that, hey, some dude just lost his job right before Christmas yes. because of you clowns. You can't block and you know you can't figure out where you're throwing the ball, Kirk Cousins, so quarterback snap out of it. blame, yeah. yeah. It's not my fault. But I can't think of any scenario in which I would put Mike Zimmer on a hot seat for this season unless in the next three weeks there's a quit factor. Well, and I've, I mean, I've said it for the last couple of weeks that if this team is if it's possible for them to go on a run to the Super Bowl still it's gonna have to be the way that 2012 Ravens team did it where Joe Flacco got hot and they sort of rode the wave of there wasn't a great defense but it was a good a defense that was good enough and it's gonna have to be the same type of thing yeah. Kirk Cousins is gonna have to get hot and he's gonna have to be flawless like Flacco was in that run that's how they're going to have to do it. But I do I do believe firmly, given Mike's comments today, that there remains an issue with his sort of absolving himself of, I'm the defensive guy, and therefore the offense has to produce. Somebody has to sit down with Mike, and five years in, Manny's right. Somebody has to sit down and explain, Mike, this is all your baby. Yeah, like you're the like coach you're not of the just, team. Like you own the car. You, you hire the, the coaches that you work with. You own the car, so you can sit in any damn seat that, that you want, and you have to get past this whole thing of, my offensive coordinator did not do his job. Okay, but that still falls back on you. Yeah. 651-646-8255. Miguel in Minneapolis. What's going on, Miguel? Miguel! What's going on? Hey, I told you I touched on that last night, Judge. The, the responsibilities on Zim because really, look, the offensive lining ain't getting no better because you fired D. Filippo. So, and Kirk Cousins all of a sudden ain't gonna get athletic enough to get outside and keep plays alive. When if you look at the modern NFL, and that's much of the problem, Zim is not—he's not modern enough, right? So he wants to play it so safe because he's so defensive-minded. He's gonna play it safe to the best. He doesn't want to take too many chances and things like that and play to my strength on my defense. Well, that's not what the best teams in the NFL are doing right now. The best teams in the NFL right now are putting up points, and they're doing it in an imaginative way, and they're forcing defenses to have to react to them. And Zimmer's not – him and Tibbs, they both have the same issue in this town right now. They're too stuck in their ways to let anybody else come in and be like, hey, this is – you know, why can't we try this? Let's try something else. They don't want to do that. They want to stick to their guns. They're like, this is what worked for me. But how has it worked for you when you haven't produced on the highest level? Because in that business, you're, you're, you're paid to produce at a high level. They haven't done that. You would think that they would be open to some change, open to some new ideas. I haven't seen that from either one of them. And that's why these franchises are both going to struggle. Well, like, the, yeah. No, finish your point. Go ahead. I was going to say, as far as the playoffs go, I'm kind of in a position right now where you're like, well, if this was the NBA, you'd be like, Wolves don't make it because we just want the better pick. But the NFL is so, such a crapshoot. I think they got to make the playoffs. And it's not just because of, of, of saving you know, uh, jobs or anything, but I think making the playoffs is a confidence builder for that team going into next year. Even if Because this team doesn't look that great, 
Uh, and you can talk about all the Ravens things we want to, but this uh, Ravens team was more talented than this team. Actually, they Miguel brings up Miguel. Thanks for the call, man. Brings up. A, let's segue into this. And Matthew Collar just came in here from the airport, so he's going to join us from now through the end of Purple Live, which starts in 15 minutes. Question for the next segment: Is it better for the Vikings to lose their next three games for draft positioning and whatever that entails, or? to build something in the next three games for for whatever that means for their playoff chances. And if you have thoughts, 651-646-8255. It's Mackie and Judd, Football Hour, TCL Broadcast Studio. Don't go anywhere. Assume the position. More Mackie and Judd coming up next on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. Well, here we are again. Yes. On 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check traffic here one more time. A couple crashes on uh, 94 to tell you about. Uh, eastbound near St. Paul or in St. Paul, uh, we got a crash between uh, Pryor Avenue and Snelling Avenue causing a five-minute delay. And also eastbound uh, near the Lowry Tunnel, we got a crash there calling, uh, causing a seven-minute delay. That's near 394. Gentlemen? 33. He's taken down for a sack. With the first sack of the night for the Seahawks. All right, so, uh, and we also have near full phone lines right now. So we will, Purple Live is coming up. Collar has made it back here from uh, Airportville and plenty to discuss here. 651-646-8255. So two things for you guys. Number one, is it better for the Vikings to tank or lose the next three and, and essentially draft position, which I know they're in playoff position right now, or... To make the best of this, maybe maybe the chemistry between new offensive coordinator and quarterback, maybe something blossoms and maybe you can turn into the 2012 Ravens. Kirk Cousins, however, this graphic posted from NFL on ESPN. He's 0 for 7 in Monday Night Football games. He's 0 5 and 1 this season with the Vikings against teams with winning records, and his career record on the road against winning teams is 4 14 and 1. And he's not the Browns. You know, it's not like he's been playing for. The Browns yeah, and the Redskins are a good team. Whew. I'll go quick and I'll go first. And I am Mr. Tank. Absolutely not. You don't tank. You want to make in this league the the draft the draft position um, that you would gain is not worth it. And you have an outside chance. It's a long shot, but you have an outside chance with this defense if it's playing well. And let's just say the offense turns competent. You have a chance to potentially make a run. So as much as I love tanking and it's near and dear to my heart, I'm not doing that. I want to make the playoffs. In most in most cases, I'll always tank. In the NFL, you never think of it that way when you're in this spot. Because drafting 20th versus drafting 15th or 14th, there just isn't much of a difference. I mean, if you were talking about having the number one overall pick versus making the playoffs, then yes, I would say, all right, well, that's a different conversation. But when you're talking about this, uh, only if you really want to see Mike Zimmer fired. And even then, I don't think that happens. But either way, I mean, if they're a first-round-out team, then Mike Zimmer is on somewhat of a hot seat when it comes to next year. There will be a ton of pressure to do better than they did because the expectations were just pushed up so high. The conversation about Kirk Cousins is really interesting to me because they went the only direction you could ever go in this spot. You can't bench Cousins for Trevor Simeon or Kyle Sloter or something, right? You can only move on from the offensive coordinator and then hope that you get more out of Kevin Stefanski than Kirk Cousins. I'm sorry, than John D. Filippo. But Kirk Cousins turned around and threw a pass backward last night. <laughs> yeah, that, we went Aaron Brooks. And, and Latavius Murray. There. 
Latavius Murray made like the play of the year, just like reaching out, like I've got it. And you, I can't I, believe I caught the ball because if he's not looking for that, which he never should be, and I don't even know how he caught it. <laughs> That ball gets thrown and bounces and rolls back into the end zone, and it is one of the all-time <laughs> oh, bloopers. God. It might look like butt fumble in comparison yeah. if Latavius Murray doesn't stick his paws out. And let me tell you boys a story. I was going back and watching a little game uh, from Washington, D.C. football squad from last year in one of Kirk's best games because I wanted to sort of refresh. All right, he was playing against New Orleans. This game, he was amazing, and he's making all these throws. Like, what What can they do? What can they go back and borrow from, right? Gets to the end of the game. It's 31-31. All Kirk has to do is spike the ball. Instead, he takes the snap and throws it out of bounds and gets a penalty for intentional grounding, which maybe shouldn't have been a penalty for intentional grounding, but you went, what? In the hell was that? So he blue screened. Well, he, he blue screened. His brain blue screened. He just yeah. threw it out of bounds. It's like, wh- why didn't you spike it? What are you doing? Yeah. And so many times this happens. I mean, this the type of play from Kirk Cousins that is not John D. Flippo's fault will get your offensive coordinator fired so many times. Plays like that. The fact that he waits way too long to decide he's going to start rolling out and then just has to heave the ball out of bounds because he can't find anything. The open receivers that he had last night that he didn't see. How about on the goal line? Adam Thielen is right there. And the question is, can he ever avoid those type of plays enough? Can he ever step up on a big stage enough to win? And no matter who your offensive coordinator is, if it's Kevin Stefanski or if Vince Lombardi comes back from the grave and starts calling plays, is he going to be able to make those plays on a consistent enough basis to win three games in the playoffs? It's very hard to believe that. There are uh, there we led we led the four o'clock hour with this this comparison, and that there's mom, there's foreshadowing moments in your life where you you kind of trace the steps back and you think, man, I. Should have known that was coming based on this thing that happened or these things that you can correlate with moments in your life. And that play that you just referenced, because they because the camera shot cut to John D. Filippo after the cousins backward mm-hmm. pass. But if I'm John D. Filippo, and maybe I'm not calling a perfect game or a perfect season, but I also am not telling my quarterback to spaz out, miss, by the way, a wide open Adam Thielen streaking across the middle of the field, turn backwards and throw it to Latavius Murray, who has to fight for a no game. The mo- but the most telling thing of last night, without a doubt to me, is is Thielen being caught on the ESPN field mics, saying that play's been there all bleeping night. Because this is ordinarily as good a team guy as, as you can possibly get. This is, not a, this is not a meltdown wide receiver diva. And for him to say that, Speaks volumes about, and I don't know if it was to Filippo, if it was to Cousins. I bet it was a combination of both. But that speaks volumes about where that offense was by last night. So I was thinking about this with the wide receivers when he was in Washington, how neither of them stayed, how Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon both left. And I was thinking about that last night of just... The big conversation is around a, a number of different things, and Zimmer is getting heat for giving the full offense to Filippo, which that strategy was totally fine when the offensive coordinator was good and was overperforming and when they were 10th in the league in scoring, but now that strategy isn't good because it didn't work with a guy who probably shouldn't have been hired in the first place. But, I mean, that's, that's sort of, it's sort of a frustra- frustration of mine is this new criticism of Zimmer because I think, well, 
this is what he's done, and this has worked. They went to the playoffs with Norv, and it wasn't perfect by any means, but they went to the playoffs still at 11-5. and five, And then, okay, it melts down with Norv later. Norv resigns, all that. But then with Shermer, it bounces back, and it's great. Shermer's got the offense. So why wouldn't this guy have the offense? Why wouldn't you do it the same way and win with defense? And they've played winning defense, but it, it just hasn't been anywhere close to enough on the offensive side. And, and that's where I think I don't question the way that he went about this because it has worked it's just the co the offensive coordinator and the quarterback that combination has not worked and now you put the blame entirely on Filippo. well over these last three games if kirk cousins plays the same way then what but yeah. but mike mike can't assume that things are going to work perfectly and when they don't he can't act like well the offense is screwing up and i'm not he almost acts like he's just in charge of the defense, and if the defense is playing well, he's satisfied. But that can't be, be the case, Collar. He has to accept the fact that when things don't go well, the troubleshooting starts with him, too. And he tries to divorce himself to a degree that I find to be troublesome. No, I get, I get that, yeah. And when it comes to taking responsibility for things going wrong, uh, head football coaches are not the very top <laughs> of the list of people who do that. And especially because Zimmer has always had the fear of himself being fired, that he's going to deflect it in other directions. And I, and I think that that's worth criticizing. I just think the process of him going into this year thinking, Filippo came from the Super Bowl team, he worked with the Super Bowl quarterbacks, Carson Wentz throughout the most of that season, and then Nick Foles, he gets all that out of him. This guy should know his offense. It wasn't the first time he'd ever been a coordinator before. This is the second time he claimed to have learned a lot. And you know what? From talking to John Filippo on a number of different occasions, the guy knows a lot about the game. I think he was never able to put together sort of a conducive offense that fit Kirk Cousins and fit what they needed to do. And that's where I think Zimmer started to get frustrated and and just sort of went to the run the ball more. But I don't agree with the idea that Zimmer is just this old school coach. I think that that's judged entirely on his age and not how he acts in general. He's going for it on fourth down last night. He is making major changes and adjustments on his defense from year to year to year since he's been there. Those are not things that I think of as an old codger. I think he's looked at Cousins who plays scary football all the time and said, you know what? We've got Delvin Cook. We should give him the football. Yeah, that's Matthew Collar. He's hanging out. Uh, Purple Live is coming up next. And if you missed any of Mackie and Judd, Sage Rosenfels was wonderful. Michael Jr. was great on all of this. On demand, 1500ESPN.com and anywhere you would find podcasts. And the numbers are 651-646-8255. We'll Purple take your Live. calls next. Awesome.